Welcome to the Impactful Relationships Podcast. So glad to have you here with us today. I'm really excited for our topic. We're going to be talking about finances and money and relationships. And this is one of the kind of high conflict topics in, in a relationship. And if you look at the research around divorce, and I recognize not every couple is married, but if you look at the research around divorce, one of the kind of key conflicts that correlates with that at times is money and, and finances. And so we're going to have Nate Astle join us, um, who has a lot of insight and expertise in this area to have a conversation about finances and relationships and kind of help, how to help things go right. So um, let's have Nate join us. Hey, Nate, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. So for those listening, um, Nate Astle, he's the founder of Relational Money and a couple and family therapist. And we're going to be talking about money and specifically uh, money and relationships and how that affects things. But Nate, I'll, I'll give you a second and kind of just share with our audience a little bit about your background and kind of what you're doing. It's exciting stuff going on. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I, I'm a couples and family therapist. Um, my focus is on financial therapy, um, which is, it's a lot of things, but it's a more holistic approach to financial wellness. And I specialize in couples and financial conflict. So that's, that's what I really like um, when couples come in and they are fighting about how money is spent, or uh, maybe they just got their inheritance from their parents, or maybe they, you know, they struggle talking about financial goals for the future. That's stuff that I like. So um, yeah, couples is definitely where I probably spend the most of my time in, in research and, and clinical area. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of exciting things. And as we all know, finances and money can be a, something really exciting and a big stressor as, as well. Uh, so when you're having couples that come in and whether it's under any one of those premises, right, inheritance, or maybe even just we're having financial difficulties or problems and difficulty working through it, and, and you dive into that with them, what are some of the things that you find that are maybe like underlying issues getting in the way of the couple being able to work through some of their financial difficulties or conflict? Yeah, so... Uh, just like a lot of things, just like sex and just like, well, like a lot of things, um, money is very, there's a lot of meaning that we make out of money. So for, for example, ha for some people having a lot of money is a representation of their self-worth. Um, it's like, our, my net worth is my self-worth. Um, for others, money is just a stressor and it reminds them about Maybe their parents fought about money and it was something they always resented. Or maybe they grew up in poverty and so money was always a big stressor in their life. Um, they are going to respond differently to money discussions than someone who maybe didn't have those experiences or challenges. Um, what I find in, in couples work is it's often not always about money it's about the things it's about how they engage with money topics that get couples into trouble so for example um you know a, a couple might come in and they're they're fighting about you know they they fight about money all the time um 
but a lot of times is because, or, or not a lot, sorry, maybe one of the things that's going on is um, one partner feels like um, unappreciated or feels like their, their partner is looking down on them or that they're stupid. Um, and then the other partner um, feels like they're taking on too much of the financial load. Like they're just expected to know everything about money and they're supposed to be able to do this and this. A lot of this is gendered. Um, you know, gender expectations does play a role in how we are socialized around money. But the point is, is we have these different meaning making experiences out of our financial behaviors and out of our partner's financial behaviors. And if we can't talk about the meaning making that we make um, for the for the money behaviors, um, it, it gets really easy to personalize um, their financial decisions as like an attack on us when it really isn't necessarily. Yeah, I, I like that, right? Kind of the meaning making experiences and the experiences someone's had throughout their life inform how they respond, even when the topic's brought up. So even sitting down and saying, you know, hey, hey, honey, talking to your partner, can we talk about budgeting or can we talk about this big purchase or this investment? They may automatically shut down and it doesn't have anything to do with that conversation, but maybe because they grew up in poverty or they learned to fear money or, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe as you talked about how are their parents responded to it, there's always conflict. So whenever mom or dad brought up something, they knew an argument was going to follow. And so I'm already starting to shut down and like having a trauma response in essence to the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, well, just like if someone had a, a traumatic sexual experience, um, sex would then, uh, you know, unless they go to therapy or and really process it, um, sex is always going to be complicated. Um, and it might, it's sometimes it might be pleasurable and might be fine and okay. And then other times they might be having big trauma responses where they're having panic attacks or anxiety, or, you know, they notice certain mood fluctuations. Um, financial trauma is the exact same thing. And so in just the same way that like, like obviously financial trauma isn't just poverty and just, you know, major financial blows. Financial trauma can be witnessing conflicts um, in my parents' relationship around money, or uh, maybe I'm part of a, a social or racial or my, you know, a, a class that's been financially oppressed. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of historical data on how financial institutions have oppressed um, different groups before. So all of these things absolutely can cause trauma responses just how it would in any other, you know, traumatic experience. Yeah, I think to recognize and also like to look through that lens, you know, if you're talking to your partner and sometimes if they're even going back to like the same behavior or pattern over and over again, maybe it's they're impulsively spending or they can't follow a budget or they're shutting down anytime you know, you're investing kind of risk adverse in essence, that it may not have anything to do. And I think it can be really easy to get frustrated or upset with, why are you doing this again? Or why did we overspend our budget again? When in reality, right, they're struggling internally, and it's a trauma response, kind of similar, you brought up the analogy with sex, right, of trying to initiate sex and someone like shuts down initially, that has nothing to do like you're not being rejected. It's not that they don't want to connect or be intimate with you, but it's that I'm not feeling safe 
right now in this instance, and I'm kind of coping. And so it's interesting how that can play out differently with money, but it becomes more frustrating. I think it's easier to maybe latch onto the content of that, of like, we want to be have financial freedom or we wanted to buy a house or can we not just follow a budget or maybe even something as simple as getting a job or negotiating like a pay raise or something at work and you're frustrated it. I can see that playing out in a lot of ways. Nate. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. One of the things that I suggest couples do to start with um, because if you're having troubles with money or if money causes conflict, there are, there are probably other areas of your life where the themes you have in money play themselves out. So for example, if um, in, in a heterosexual relationship, if the um, female partner doesn't feel like they have say in, in how money is spent, there probably are other areas where they feel disempowered. So one of the things that I suggest people do when they have financial conflict is look at when do I have similar feelings? Where else do I feel anxiety? Where else do I feel depressed? Where else do I feel X, Y, or Z? And then I say, okay, so I have this feeling or this emotional response to this topic. Um, and then um, we, the academic literature calls them financial flashpoints. But if you start um, looking back on your life, one was some of the earlier times that I felt this feeling topic when are other times that I felt anxious around money and you'd be surprised um, our financial behaviors are often shaped by our, our early childhood experiences um, and this is kind of going into attachment theory but um, how we experience financial stress even if we don't have a strong concept of what money is or what a budget is as a five or six year old when we witness stress that's related to money or jobs or all the other pieces that money touch um we we do we internalize it and um if we don't have adequate resources to process it and make meaning out of it that we want to it's very easy for it to become ingrained in us very similar to how trauma works. And so with couples is kind of doing some of your digging in, what are some of my impactful financial experiences, even growing up that affect how I, how I experience money right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. You know, even looking at that, continuing through a a trauma lens, I, I could see people thinking I've had all these experiences that's so overwhelming, but like EMDR is one of the best practice treatments for treating trauma. And you'd kind of follow a similar pattern, right? There's this instance I'm having currently that I'm triggered by. When have I experienced this previously throughout my life? And you can identify those and, and work through those. And what happens generally is you don't necessarily have to go back through every single experience you've ever had in your life as you can process through and kind of find some healing, whether it's like, I felt like I wasn't good enough, or I felt like a failure, or I felt rejected if I brought these things up. Um, As you can work through that, it can kind of change your concept uh, around yourself, the way that you're thinking about yourself in the present, as opposed to now when my partner brings up, hey, we're going to go out to dinner tonight with the friends or something. And all of a sudden, there's this weird reaction, you don't even know why. And right, they're shutting down that you can at least openly talk about what's going on for you and and being able to say you know i'm actually worried about this 
or this makes me feel like, are, am I going to have to overspend or do something to be accepted by other people around me as opposed mm-hmm. to being able to say, Hey honey, I don't think we can afford this right now and being okay with the response from your partner. So I, I like what you're saying there, Nate. Yeah, that, that's great. Great analogy with, and I love EMDR. I use it quite frequently with clients with trauma backgrounds and it's yep. very helpful with trauma um, or sorry, with financial trauma. It, it works in very similar ways. That's awesome. So when, when you're having like a couple come in and there's kind of the trauma approach through this as well, are there certain like tools or skills that you would be trying to share with them or helping them learn to be able to navigate and have these conversations or to work through some of the financial matters in their relationship? Yeah, so I uh, with couples work, my main, I guess, theoretical approach is emotionally focused therapy. Um, so talking about the couple conflict cycle, which really just means talking through each partner's emotions, thoughts, and then behaviors, because unfortunately, most of us are not actual mind readers. And so we don't always know exactly the emotions and thoughts that drive our partner's behaviors. All we see is the behaviors and we make our own meaning out of those behaviors. So when my partner refuses to engage with budget conversations, um, I make my own meaning about, oh my gosh, they're so lazy or they're just putting this on me because I'm a male or whatever it is. Um, What we don't see is the feelings of fear or feelings of sadness. Uh, We don't get to hear the things that go on in their head about how I'm, you know, I'm scared that I'm, not doing enough. I feel like I'm not bringing enough. Maybe again, this is just going off a stereotype. Maybe they don't have a full-time job. And so they feel like they're not um, putting up enough value because they put so much value on the financial growth. They're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not even doing anything. And now he wants to talk to me about it. And it's really scary. All of that isn't openly presented. Um, most of the time. And so what I do with couples is I guide them through what are your feelings and thoughts? And then how do those feelings and thoughts manifest in behavior? And then talk about their partner. And I have them listen to each other. Like, okay, you, you, you probably have seen this behavior over and over and over again, but you maybe didn't have the depth of understanding about what their emotions and thoughts were. It's a lot easier to feel compassion towards your partner when you can actually see what's going on inside their internal world. So once they're able to do that, and it's also a self-discovery process. And, you know, I, I will guide them through, we call it the financial script inventory, but it's just a, an assessment tool. But it, it brings out some of those in, internal, maybe unconscious beliefs about money. And they say, okay, so this is saying you have a money avoidant script, which just means that money is something that you don't like, or is maybe you associate it with danger or that, you know, you're, you push it away. Um, You'd be like, okay, so you have this belief. Where do you think that belief has come from? And you ask them to do a little self digging. So um, that that's a start. Of course, it's a dynamic process. There's times we would do more work on one partner or, a certain aspect, but um, in general, I just, I try and walk them through how does your cycle feed into each other? And then where are you pulling from inside that makes the cycle the most comfortable thing to do? Sorry if that was confusing. <laughs> no, 
That's great. I mean, uh, coming from a clinical background, I get, you know, exactly what you're saying. And I think part of that too, is when you're able to sit in the same space with your partner and, and significant other and be able to hear them out and hear like what their thoughts and their feelings and their fears are and why they're doing what they're doing and being able to kind of dive understanding and share that space with them where they can feel understood by you without having to protect myself. I don't have to go mm-hmm. into or shut down or justify. And on the other side, like you as the person listening to this, you don't have to become reactive or to try and fix or to figure out or to solve. You can kind of let go of those things and sit in that space together. You can create this. Was a the budget or the budget or or other items um, at play, you can focus on uh, the, the connection you're having and your relationship, your interaction together. And so now it's like we're in this together as opposed to you're the problem because you you can't keep a budget. It's, hey, I, I get you. I see you. I can be present with you and we can figure this out together. We can navigate through this. And so like you can stay connected with each other, right? Without shutting down, without escalating and also without rescuing either. Um, And I think that's what happens sometimes too, is maybe as one of the partners, you over-function for the other person, or maybe in a relationship growing up, you saw that's what your parents did, or they always rescued you or saved you when there was a problem or a difficulty came up around money. And so being able to sit in that, being okay, not being okay. uh, That's kind of what I heard you saying. And that can be, I think, empowering for couples to experience together. Yeah, I really like what you said about like, my partner isn't the problem. And um, what it is, is the shift, if the shift can happen where it's not me versus my partner, but it's me and my partner versus the problem, um, it's a totally different way to experience uh, the the issue um okay instead of me trying to make my partner do something is how can I be supportive so that my partner who's going through a lot and I know that now and I can see their they've expressed their emotions and their thoughts and I I'm a more accurate witness to their world now that I know that I can be more empathetic more compassionate I can better check my own response because okay, when they do that, it's not really, you know, and I, I, and, you know, I will have my own responses to their behavior, but when I'm Mm -hmm. able to be compassionate, they will see it. And then it becomes easier for them to explore their stuff. Um, It's, it's a reciprocal process. As I work on me, it helps them. And as they work on them, it helps me. I, I like that. Right. And it becomes a way that you're connecting together as opposed to like you're living this parallel life now that we're separating or disconnecting um, from each other as well. Um, And I'm going to kind of change John Gottman. He has a quote. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit differently, but he talks about that sometimes couples end a relationship by divorcing or separating or just kind of leaving, right? Depending on the status of, excuse me, what your relationship is. And other times couples will leave the relationship by just living a parallel life, meaning that, you do your thing, I'm going to do my thing, and we'll just coexist together. And you can find yourself drifting pretty far apart, 
finances is one of the things that can cause that, right? Of there's this, whether it's resentment or anger or frustration that you could feel towards your partner because you're not understanding their or their story and what's going on for them doesn't necessarily mean the behavior is okay, right? Like if you're um, your budget every single month or you don't even have a budget and now you're in debt, $30,000 and credit cards, that's a problem. And it doesn't have to destroy your relationship. You can figure out how to connect and how to work through some things and get some help, whether that's therapy or financial support and resources. There's a lot of good tools and supports out there to help you, people work through those challenges as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think one of that's one of the most common things I hear is, um, well, finances is, is, is so black and white in that there are actual quantifiable numbers about, you know, debt or how much overspending is happening and you can put a number on it. Because of that, I think there's a lot of moral projection where it's like, oh, okay, this is always bad and this is always good. And my partner is therefore always bad or good when they do this thing. Um, the problem with that is, yes, absolutely. There are some situations that need to be handled and, um, you know, financial support or um, maybe financial education that needs to happen. Yes, of course, behaviors do need to change. Um, the issue becomes on when I take it on myself to correct my partner's behavior and it becomes my responsibility because that's when the resentment builds. Um, that's how they become the problem. It's not the behavior. If I can get my partner to see, oh, okay, this financial behavior, which happens to be mostly in their court, um, is damaging, but we're on the same team together. I know that they want to fix this too. Um, then it becomes easier to stay connected. Um, so just just kind of watching yourself and saying, am I, am I blaming this? Am I just putting blame on my partner? Or am I actually um, trying to be compassionate and supportive? Because they do have beliefs and thoughts that are explaining their behavior. And if you don't understand, it probably just means you don't have enough information yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the way that you phrased that. And sometimes too, right, if we find ourselves getting reactive to that ourselves, that that may say more about us than our partner. Mm -hmm. Like that may be our own financial trauma or past experiences that we're struggling with that we're having a reaction to. And it's easier to quantify it, right? Because money is very quantifiable. Here's the problem as opposed to even like, I'm, I don't feel good enough or I feel rejected or hurt when this happens as well, because you're both having that reciprocal experience together. And it's very easy to kind of view the other person as the problem, quote unquote, right? As opposed to, hey, this is actually about me right now and my own stuff that I'm not even seeing. And that's a trap you got to be careful because I don't think anyone wants to like blame or put someone in the victim stance right in their relationship. Um, but I think we all fall into that at times without even recognizing and realizing it. So being able to take a step back and see like, is this about me? Like, why am I having such a strong reaction to this right now? What's mm -hmm. going on? And then once you can kind of figure that out, that may be a better time to approach your partner in conversation about it 
as opposed to when I'm reactive and upset or <laughs> feeling some resentment or something, because that's probably going to create defensiveness from your partner and they're going to shut down and you're going to feel disconnected and both get more upset. And then eventually you might end up in Nate's office someday, right? Of <laughs> Reaching out for some help. Hopefully you'd get some help, but it doesn't have to get to that point either. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like I said at the beginning, so many of the financial conflicts um, manifest in patterns that are able, that you can see in other situations outside of money. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of people going to therapy um, for financial issues because you're probably going to discover other things where you feel similarly. Um, I will say, if if you need help with the actual financial, like, okay, how are you either going to get rid of this debt or I don't understand how credit works. Um, there are free or extremely low cost resources um, for everybody. So if you, if you have access to internet, um, you just look for nonprofit credit counseling or nonprofit um, financial counseling near me. Um, there are lots of different centers and things where you can get like, and you can sit down with someone who can say, okay, this is like, they can make a plan with you and you don't have to do it all on your own. And you don't also have to do it in, you know, by hiring someone that's particularly expensive. Um, so there, there are resources for people. Um, I, I'm happy to point you, <laughs> point anyone if you're like, okay, we, we need a therapist and we need a financial counselor. And both of those, you, there are resources for those kind of situations. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I want to give you time to talk about some of the things that you're doing. Cause you're doing a lot of awesome stuff in this space from like a research perspective, even like bringing the therapy stuff into the financial world a little bit. So do you want to talk a little bit about for you right now? Sure. Yeah. Um, so like, like I said, my background is in is in therapy, and that's I think that's kind of where my heart is. Um, and financial professionals do a lot of great work. However, they aren't trained to understand things like trauma or understand things like you know couple conflict cycles. Um, they're they tend to be trained in a more traditional black and white thing as well that we this much money needs to get paid off and. Um, it, it's, it's just very rigid. So what I've done is I created a company called Relational Money, um, where I offer trainings to financial professionals, um, planners, counselors, coaches, um, on different therapeutic skills. Um, and I, I'm really excited about it because my hope is that sometimes you know, therapy is scary. Thinking about going to therapy is scary because a lot of different stigmas or, you know, tradition or whatever. Um, but if maybe a financial professional can approach me in therapeutic ways and then they suggest, hey, it sounds like this is causing you a lot of stress. Um, I have some people in my network that can be helpful for you. And I have a therapist friends that I can refer you to. Maybe more people would get the mental health treatment or help that they need um, by starting out in a financial planner's office. And so my, you know, my hope is that financial get planners get better and more trained and better informed at their job on the people side. And then I, I do hope that it opens up a world for more people who might not be 
100% ready to jump into therapy, maybe they can warm up to the idea in, with their financial professional. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm working on. I have a, a training series and I'm excited about it. I think it's, I hope that it'll be impactful work at least. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Both great stuff going on in the therapy world and, you know, bridging the gap into the financial, taking the financial planners offices. So Nate, if people wanted to reach out or get in touch with you or learn more about you, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, yeah. So uh, of course you can always visit uh, relationalmoney.com. It's just how it sounds, relationalmoney.com. And then I, I am on LinkedIn and on Twitter. If you just type Nathan Astle, I think my Twitter handle is like Nate underscore Astle. But if you type in Nate Astle or um, financial therapy, I'll, I probably will come up eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. You should definitely definitely reach out to, to Nate and connect with him if any of these things have resonated with you. Um, anything else you'd want to add, Nate, or share before we, we wrap up today? Um, yeah, I just... One thing that I hope is I, I know we're we're just voices on a you know we're just voices, um, but I do hope that whoever is listening understands that finances can be really hard, emotionally draining, and um, and conflict with your partner around finances can also be really draining. I just want to say something along the lines of it's okay to have big feelings. Um, It's okay if this is a hard topic. There is help and change is possible. Um, Of course, we don't know every situation, but if this is especially hard for you to listen to, it's, it's understandable. There are a lot of reasons why you might be feeling these things. And hopefully our, this discussion has sparked an interest to kind of dive deeper into your financial beliefs and where they've come from and early, you know, life experiences around money. But uh, just kind of a word of compassion for yourself and your partner and, and other people experiencing financial stresses. It's real and it can have a big impact on your life and it's, it can be worked through as well. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Nate, for sure. That that's really important. You gotta love yourself first and be patient with yourself and and the the journey's okay. Wherever you're at right now, it's it's okay and there there's a pathway forward. So Nate, I really appreciate you joining us today and your time and look forward to potential future interactions we have in the field. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Yep, take care. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. As always, this information, it's not counseling, it's not therapy designed for you, it's not even necessarily advice or recommendation specific for you and your circumstances. It's simply information, and information that I hope that you find impactful and and meaningful in, in your life. Thanks for joining us today. I look forward to having you back on future podcast episodes. If you have any additional questions, feel free to send me an email at help at impactfulcounseling.com. That's H-E-L-P at impactfulcounseling.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.